Welcome to our virtual book club, Bookish with two Ks. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Kendra. More than just a virtual book club, Bookish is a place where books are better than movies, reading under the covers with a flashlight is a shared childhood memory, and FYPs are full of book recs. Every two weeks, we will discuss a new book, either selected by Caitlin and me or voted on by the bookish members of our community. Whether it's listening to our podcast or chatting with us on our community pages, Bookish is a home where book lovers can connect, fangirl, and discuss their mutual obsessions. So kick up your feet, grab a good book, and join the club. Hello! Hi! How are you? Good. I'm ready to discuss book two of our Red Queen reread series. Oh, like half reread, half reread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's The Glass Sword by Victoria Aveyard. If you guys haven't read Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard, you're missing out. Go read it. We already have our episode out. So catch up, press pause here, go read the first one, read the second. And now I guess you'd be hitting resume now. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the reading. <laughs> Quick read. Welcome back. And read along with us as we dive into this series. I think it's five total. So decent undertaking. Like Kendra said, this is book two, Glass Sword. Do I want to give a summary? Yeah, go for it. Spoiler warnings ahead. Okay. If there's one thing Mare Barrow knows, it's that she's different. Mare Barrow's blood is red, the color of common folk, but her silver ability, the power to control lightning, has turned her into a weapon that the royal court tries to control. The crown calls her an impossibility, a fake, but as she makes her escape from Maven, the prince, the friend who betrayed her, Mare uncovers something startling. She's not the only one of her kind. Pursued by Maven, now a vindictive king, Mare sets out to find and recruit other red and silver fighters to join in the struggle against her oppressors. But Mare finds herself on a deadly path, at risk of becoming exactly the kind of monster she's trying to defeat. Will she shatter under the weight of the lives that are at the cost of, the, of rebellion or have treachery and betrayal hardened her forever? The electrifying next installment in the Red Queen series escalates the struggle between the growing rebel army and the blood-segregated world they've always known and pits Mare against the darkness that has grown in her soul. dun dun, dun. <laughs> The darkness that has grown in her soul? Ouch. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with the first sentence of this summary, though, that says, she's different. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just, re- like, it's so, what year did this come out? I'm pretty sure that was, like, the first sentence in uh, Junie B. Jones, too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Did you ever read this as a kid? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <sighs> shall we spin and do a couple questions? Yes, I'm quite excited to talk to you about this book. Are you? I am. (laughs) And on top of that, I'm excited because Caitlin and I actually had a little bit of logistic issues trying to record this episode. It's taken a few tries. I know. And so I'm like, I was trying not to forget because I read, I tend to read like other, I read other books other than what once we record for this podcast. So I was like, we postponed this by a week and I was like, "Ah, I don't want to forget everything I want to (laughs) say. Yeah, totally. So... I'm excited, but let's just start out with spinning. Yeah. Cool. Drink if you fell asleep. Um, probably not literally, because that doesn't usually happen to me. But, uh, drink if you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I you know me, I'm doing the audiobooks for most of this and there were times I would like wake up, I'm like, gosh, how many chapters did I Oh no. Yeah. This one I'll get to it, but yes, there were things. things. (laughs) Do you want to expand at all? No, I will get we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, next. Drink if you laughed out loud. I don't think I did in this one. I don't think I did in the first one either. There's really not, it's not really like laughable moments for the most part. No, it's not. It's not too humorous. I, I'm trying to think if even if it was like a, a chuckle, even if there was I don't a, think there was even like a, a nostril exhalation. <laughs> <laughs> there was like some huffing. I had this, but not. Yeah, some sighs, some sighs. Sure. Yeah. No, no laughs, no giggles over here. No, no. Okay, next. Drink if you liked the cover of the book. And we haven't gotten this question for this series. I'm excited. Oh, I do. I really, I really like these covers. I do too. They're so dystopian and like, I, yeah, I think they're great. Me too. I think that sometimes you and I have talked about with issues with series is like, how do you make the series feel like a collection, but make them look individual and different enough? And I think that this, this series does a pretty good job. I have a difficulty remembering which book is in which order though, but I do think that each book feels like completely like its own separate thing. But they also go together really well. Definitely. So yeah. Yeah. I also stumbled across the like special editions of these books and the Red Queen one is like all red, like red sprayed edges, red cover. Wow. Really cool. I also knew a video I took of it. And then this glass sword one, there was an all silver version. And then I think I also saw somebody on TikTok had a blue sprayed edges version of glass sword with like little swords on it. I think I'm like, I didn't know sprayed edges were a thing until fourth wing. Yeah, exactly. Same here. I didn't have, I hadn't seen them since fourth wing. Yeah. Like before that, but I'm I'm sure they exist. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, One more. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Drink. If the books are past your expectations. No. <laughs> For those of you who aren't watching a video of us right now, uh, we're not drinking. No, this book did not surpass my expectations. No. I did not even meet my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> no. I. And what's hard is that I should have known better. It's a book too. Like, I just got so excited with book one. But I also like here, and here's the thing. It's I remember reading book one and going like, oh yeah, I remember, I'm remembering things about this series. And I'm like, I think that's in the next book. So I'm, I'm going through this like, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. But like, then I was like, oh, cause that's the only thing that's happening in this book. <laughs> like I, I was like, oh, I don't really know what else happens in this book. And I'm like, cause there's not really anything else that happens in this book. So I don't, I don't remember disliking this book when it came out like reading this for the first time I ate it up I don't know I don't know how truthfully (laughs) because this time I certainly did not eat it up so I stopped at book two and I now know why (laughs) I I'm pretty positive that I start I read book three 
But yeah, um, this book would kill the series for me. <laughs> so, th- like, this book, on top of how busy we were, like, yeah. there was just no way. No. So, uh-oh. Like, here we go, Caitlin. <laughs> I, I, I'm literally scared. I'm like, why did we pick this? I, I have hope. I do. But I also saw, that, this is the first thing, because I was looking at people's reviews of this, because I was like, did this, was this as bad as I remember it being? And I looked up a TikTok from Victoria Aveyard herself. Did you see this? Where she's like, uh, and she's like doing a trending audio or whatever, but she basically in the caption says like, I'm sorry that Glass Sword is such a slog, but the ending was like, it's one of my favorite endings or whatever. I'm like, okay, I'll give that to you. But like even herself, she's like, sorry guys, (laughs) not my best. Yeah. And so that's what I was like, okay, well, this is probably like actually a good way to, to intro into initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. Just, you know what? Just wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I think it's good. I think it's good that we're rereading a series that one, we haven't finished and two, hopefully can only go up from here because... At, like selection, we like our bar was high and we kept it high. And what else have we reread? Like I don't even remember <laughs> what else have we reread. So like Hunger Games was high, but Hunger it Games changed, high. But like our expectations changed. Like how at least for me, Hunger Games was high, but how I reread it this time, I it was completely different than I remembered it, but so good. Whereas Selection hit exact same way, but Hunger Games still hit, but in a completely different way. Totally. So this, I'm like ready to feel the way I felt with the selection. And I'm like, okay, book one, it's hitting. Book two (laughs) (laughs) What what happened? I'm waving a white flag. Yikes. I'm glad we feel the same. Let's share some more cohesive thoughts. (laughs) Yes. I'm super happy I mentioned this when we were discussing book one, but my goodness, anyone can betray anyone. Yep, we get it. Like, I get it. Like, I'm going to work. Anyone can betray anyone. I'm going to dinner with my husband. Anyone can betray anyone. Like, (laughs) I'm literally, every single thought in my brain was just like, I get it. Everywhere I go, anyone can betray us. And it was just like, that was my theme the whole time I was listening. It was just in my head on repeat. I probably heard that phrase at least 10 times a day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you listen to the audio the entire time? Yes. Good Lord in heaven. Um, I started the audiobook and I hated it. (laughs) I did not like the narrator at all. And as soon as she started speaking in Maven's voice, I was like, I can't do this. I need to go read the book right now. Well, that's the thing is that Maven's hardly in this book. So it wasn't that terrible. That's true. I guess it, but I was like, it's the first, like, I don't know, four or five chapters. And I was like, I'm not going to get anywhere, anywhere with this. I did pick it up. I like resumed the audiobook a little bit later um, when I was like driving or whatever, but like, Ooh, that was rough. Yeah. Not not my favorite audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those the voice actor really can make or break it. I didn't really know Maven's voice, but generally speaking, it didn't bother me too much. There was just times where I like I was listening to it and I found myself not knowing who was having a conversation because the voices weren't distinct enough. So I was like, did Killorn say that or did Mare say that? Like I I was getting lost. So that's all. Yeah, and I also have to make a public apology. 
I kept saying Kalorn last time. It's Kalorn with an I. Kalorn. Yeah, it's Kalorn. I was going to correct you, but. <laughs> oh, you always have my permission to correct me. I mean, I do, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'll let her have this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. It's also Alara. Yes, that was, I was like, that was the second one that's like, I was listening to, I was like, I don't think I said these right. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> anyone can betray anyone. We get it. Um, we also get Rise, Red is the Dawn. Uh, I've heard that too many times. <laughs> We're rising. It's red. We're rising it's in the morning. Red. The dawn is dawning. The red is ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was a lot of repetition. I think that this is up there with the mitochondria as the powerhouse of the cell. I will not forget. <laughs> that is so true. That is really accurate. Because I even remember, like, picking up this book, picking up Red Queen after, what, like, nearly a decade since I've read this book, and being like, oh, yeah, I remember that phrase. <laughs> like, it sticks. It yes. does. Huh. Also, I had some takes about Maven in book one yeah how are we feeling about maven these days (laughs) since then he has tortured (laughs) mayor Mm -hmm. um the only way i will feel good about those two together is that if mayor does like an anti-arc where she like becomes a Mm -hmm. villain and then is with him or i don't know if there's really an or because now the queen's dead so now there's not a reason for him to be doing these things but during this time when he was torturing her she was alive so I still think that that thread could hold so it just depends on how book three goes I'm doubtful though my my hope my hope is crushed a little bit I don't really want that for her anymore yeah yeah I forgot about some of that from this book I did remember how this book ended but I so that's why when you were like, I don't know, I could kind of see like the enemies to lovers. I was like, I don't know, girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm with you. Like, the, I, it's how much influence did she have over his behavior? We know how she influenced Cal, but now there's no excuse. So, e, yikes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still I I'm still team nobody at this point. That's how I felt about Katniss at one point in the Hunger Games. Where I was just kind of like, why does anybody like her? That's how I feel about Mare. <laughs> yeah, again, we talked about those similarities in those dystopian books. Like, our main characters are not great. <laughs> I know. I We talked about some of the similarities in our Red Queen episode. And they just felt like even more glaringly obvious in this book. And... I, I had less and less grace for them as the book went on. Like, at first, I'm like, okay, it's, it, I'm, it, it's what was happening at the time. We'll let it slide. And then I was like, okay, I'm getting tired. <laughs> so it's interesting because you and I had these complaints, you more than me, but about Katniss and Katniss' behavior. But Katniss's behavior didn't get to the peak of annoyance until she'd gone through a lot more trauma than Mare has. Mm -hmm. And that was really the the debate that you and I held at the end of the series for The Mockingjay was, yeah, Katniss is so annoying. Yes, she has all these flaws, but look what she went through and here we are. And Suzanne Collins did 
a very detailed job explaining the de- like the drama that she walked the drama ah. <laughs> the trauma that she walked through whereas i do think for victoria mare's character right now has gone through some trauma but our author in this instance has not done a detailed job explaining it so not only is it less it's also less descriptive. So as an audience member, it's I can't really defend it to anyone. Yeah, it's not relatable at this point. It it's just feels like whining, unfortunately. Yes. Also, speaking of not being like overly descriptive, there were a few times in the book where I was like, did I miss something? Like, we're just skipping that? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, for example, they killed the queen so fast. I was like, what? No, we don't even know how. She just like walks out and that happens. I was like, excuse me, the moment we're all waiting for. We just skipped it. I literally, yeah, I kept flipping back a couple pages. Like, hold on. Did I miss it? Um, Really disappointed that we didn't get that. Yeah, for sure. And like, I also thought the mom was going to be more of that arc villain for more of the series. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to speak to this more, but there was actually, it's funny because I just spoke to a series we've recently read where I was like, oh, the mom's going to be the villain for the majority of the series. Yeah. And then, then that's not the case. And now I hear I'm experiencing it again. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, is my radar off? Like, I really thought, like, what's I, I'm happening? with you. I thought she was going to be like the head villain and then we were going to have Maven underneath. And that's not what happened. It also made me feel like, because we didn't get to see her death on page, it made me feel like she was not as powerful as we thought we were, like we thought she was. And so that was kind of, I felt like kind of duped from the first book. I was like, I thought she was like the most powerful person ever able to control, you know, control people's actions. And then over here, she just like dies willy nilly. And we don't even know how <laughs> Like we know Mayor did it, but yeah. So there's that also like, and maybe I'll give it like, I don't think so. I think this is, I don't think this is when I fell asleep. But like, I also missed when Maven captured her with that sound thing. And then they got away somehow. Like they just, they don't really describe how they got away. Like she was, beginning. yeah, like she was captured. She was like getting tortured. It was, she was out for days, not fully captured, but like kind of captured, like stunned. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. they were all trapped, but they weren't. Or they were on the run as they were chasing, and and then she she blacked out and they woke up and there was no like actual address of like how I know because he was there he was in the alleyway like it was all going down and then just not I don't know I know I kept being like how are we gonna get out of this and then it'd be like surprise we did like cool <laughs> I don't know how but thanks like yeah it was. And there was a moment too. Well, we know how that she got out of this, but um, when Mare ends up in the cell with Cal in the beginning of the book, I was like, I, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> um, we know, and that was like that was actually kind of a, a decent part of the book. But um, also, yeah, I was gonna say, just- I while I agree a little bit, that was one of my favorite moments of this book, and not to jump ahead. But that was one of my favorite moments of this book is when Killorn quote unquote betrayed her. Uh-huh. I 
was appalled. I believed yeah. it. It felt right in line. Like, this is why they kept hitting me over the head with anyone can betray anyone. Like, I bought it. Um, and then when it comes back that that wasn't the case, and he's like, why didn't you trust me? I was like, ooh, good point. Like, it was a really good part of the book. I agree. Uh, yeah, I was, like, totally gagged at that moment. And then he has the whole, like, switcheroo with the shots and far. And I was like, oh, this is going so smoothly, so tricky. Like, didn't see that coming. And that was, like, one of the strongest moments of the book. I agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, some other initial thoughts is, and I think we've even talked about this a little bit, but I just want to, like, talk about a few specific things. The Hunger Game vibes are so real. Like, you have the Propos. You have the Rebellions in Training. You have the rescue missions, you have the catchphrases, like it's extreme Hunger Game vibes. You have like the slums and the like people, not necessarily getting like sent to war in Hunger Games, but like tributes. <laughs> and then you've got, yeah, just like the capital versus the districts. We've got the silvers and the reds, which is like not an, not an, uncommon concept and so I'm not going to be like oh she's ripping like it's not like it's kind of standard but like there was just and then the main character being like I'm gonna get people hurt and like super pity me (laughs) we've got a a love triangle I thought we didn't have a square we did have a square it turns out (laughs) we can talk about that um oh the hanging Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Anyway, major, major, which I'm not mad. You know me in Hunger Games. Yeah, these are not, these are not bad things, but the parallels were feeling a little strong in this book. It was a little thick. It was a little thick. Okay. So I know that I talked a little crap on Maven earlier, but, but... Him leaving her notes was, like, I don't want to say precious, but precious. It was, like, psychotic, but also, like... Adorable? <sighs> like, charming. Like, like, but, like, also you're, like, t- sick and twisted, but, like, I, I get why she, like, kept them. I'm like, yeah, girl, I feel it. He was on the right side of, like, on the line, but on the right side of the line of confidence and arrogance like he wasn't arrogant but he was hitting like that confidence but like that sweet spot a little bit I know I know it was like right in morally gray territory where like like we said like depending on how book three goes like you could convince me that there may still be an enemies to lovers here I understand that it's sick and twisted but like I could follow the path <laughs> but you could convince me you could very yes. easily go even darker even deeper even worse so i'm like we're right there <laughs> and she walks this line the whole book so well of is this the most romantic thing that has ever happened on the face of the earth or is this guy gonna kill her <laughs> yeah yeah like i understood her thought process of like I miss him and I miss the person that I thought he was. And like the whole, like still kind of processing the betrayal. I, it did start to get annoying every time like her and Cal had a conversation where they were like, we miss him. And I'm like, 
bro, he's insane, but okay. <laughs> um, but like, I, yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. That's the relationship status. Mm-hmm. Also thought it was super weird and like almost noteworthy. She wanted to keep her branding of him. She wanted people to know that, that what, what did she want people to know that, that she's his, that like she had the chance to have it removed and she's like, no, no, keep it. Like, why? Like, why girlfriend? Yeah. Like (laughs) if you don't actually, if you're not interested, why, why not get it removed? Yeah. Yeah. She needs to do a little self-reflection. <laughs> yes, some therapy would be helpful for her. But yeah. also, like, mm, I get it, maybe? <laughs> and, like, I get it in the sense of, like, I get why she gets it. Obviously, I don't get it. <laughs> I've never been in that scenario. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Anyway, I just thought, like, I'm, I'm definitely still intrigued. Especially, mm-hmm. obviously, we'll get to the end of this book, but just, like, there weren't too many like chef kiss moments in those book, but like her relationship with Maven was definitely a highlight. And also I have another thing that I like, sorry, like there's a few things I wanted to talk about. I also have hope for the character Cameron to be continued to develop. I thought that was a great introduction into the series. Yeah. I think definitely intrigued by Cameron. There's a, there was a few, I'll say there's like, one too many additions in this book that it was a little bit hard to keep up with. But that was one that I was like, okay, this is one that can be developed. We'll see how it goes. Um, it also is just always intriguing when you introduce a character that doesn't like the main character. Yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> um, like outwardly, you know, um, it's always fun to see how that develops. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I do. So the main thing I remembered about this book was the whole like finding the new bloods plot line. And I remembered like a lot of this, the strong moments of like going to each of the places and who each of the people were and the hanging and the like all of that. I like, I don't know why it just didn't hit the same this time around. Like I remember eating that plot line up the first time I read this. And this time, maybe it's because, like, I knew what was happening and so it wasn't as exciting. But I was just kind of, like, I was bored in between each event. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. There, I don't know if it's because, again, it was so new when we were reading it. And now it's it's not just, like, a nostalgia of this specific book, but a nostalgia of, like, so many books that we've read. Um, yeah, bored in between. And on top of that, there's this idea of storytelling that I actually think was talked about in an interview by one of the directors or writers in, in Marvel, like, uh, like Mm -hmm. the phase one of Marvel phase one and phase two. I don't remember which one though, but they talked about how good storytelling is based off of writing stories with the idea of because of that versus and then. So when you're telling a story, you want to avoid phrases like Caitlin and Kendra went to the store and then they went to the bookstore or something like that versus Caitlin and Kendra went to the store 
And because they had difficulty finding the book, they had to go to the next bookstore. So it helps the audience keep the story going in their head of being able to place big plot points and how they arrived there. And I don't think Victoria Aveyard did that concept justice in this book because I feel very strongly that you could take 80 to 90% of the plot points in this book, scramble it up and retell the story and it wouldn't change the story. Yeah, absolutely agreed. I think another thing that bothered me, so the, not only was there not much in between each event, but the pacing and the time was really hard to follow. Um, I thought like days were going by, it was weeks, it was months. I was like, it was like winter is coming. And I was like, what, since when, like what season are we in? Nobody knows. Um, winter, I thought it was spring. Literally like, and and talking about like her and Cal's relationship developing. And I was like, all of these things are happening in the span of like four days in my brain. This is not like, I was not following the timeline. Um, Obviously, like, I, maybe a day for each person that we found, but, like, not much time was passing, um, at least that I was tracking. The, one, the other thing, too, that was started to get frustrating is it felt like every new blood that they found, like, perfectly solved one of their problems. Yeah. Or, like, like, the person who could, like, muffle sound. It's like, oh, how convenient that you guys can, like, now train and nobody's going to hear you. Like, it was just too easy for most of the part and like I guess it led up to a decent end but like throughout I I don't remember thinking that the first time I read this and this time I was like I I remember being intrigued and I was intrigued by each new person but I also was like how convenient (laughs) it's like I can almost guess what the next person is going to be able to do yeah also some other things that just didn't hit the same was I, we even talked about this a little bit in book one. We're like, oh, I wonder how things are going to pan out romantically between Killorn and Mare. And as we predicted, it wasn't great. Not even like a little bit good. <laughs> it was, if it's going to be that bad, just cut that plot line altogether. Like, it was not even embarrassing. Like, it wasn't, there was no... There was nothing. Nothing. It gave nothing. No emotion. I wasn't torn. I wasn't sad. I literally felt nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that it provided an interesting character development moment between Cal and Mare where Cal told her to go invite him to come on these trips. Mm. And she's like, no, or, you know, whatever. And he kind of like said under his breath or something like that. He's like, I'm not asking for me. Like, I'm doing this for you because he's your friend and you're going to regret this, essentially. And that's what he was implying. And I think that that helped elevate their relationship that was being developed there as him doing, like, a personal sacrifice. Like, I hate this guy, but he can come since he's important to you. But, I mean, it wasn't even that good of a moment between Cal and Bear. So we really could have cut that. No. I, that was one part that felt so strongly Hunger Games. And I'm not, uh... I'm not going to say the characters in case you haven't read it, but like, I was just like, Oh, I really, I really thought after book one that we weren't going to go there. I was, I was like, Oh great. Maybe we're not going to do that. And then it was like, surprise. And I was like, Oh no, (laughs) we didn't need to do that. Which it just wasn't necessary. No, but I do think it plays into our prediction of him ending up with Gisa 
and he needed to be rejected first. And so I would not at all be surprised. He He's obviously hurt and whatever, but I could easily see him moving into that next phase that you and I talked about because she cares so little. Like it's, it's going to be an easy transition in that yeah. way. Yeah. I also had a problem with this book. Like the world building itself was rough. It was so difficult to understand realistically what anything looked like. Like honest to goodness, cannot tell you what that final battle scene looked like whatsoever. Mm-mm. I can't tell you what anything looks like. Like the whole escaping from jail as breaking people out of the prison situation. All I have is like an under uh, underground, a few cells. There's nothing outside in the world. <laughs> There's nothing there. I don't know where people are coming from. I don't know where they're going. I don't know how we got there. I can't even picture the, what is it? What's their ship they fly in? The Blackbird or something? Yeah, it's Black Run. Run. I can't even picture that. It, it, like, in my brain, their technology feels like Star Wars, but then the world is, like, medieval. (laughs) And it's not computing in my brain. No, like, I think the right when they're escaping everyone from jail at the end like i think it was like a metal box in my head (laughs) and at one point they were upside down because of the gravity oh yeah and like there's different sectors that would move and i understood that the magnetrons like would be the ones opening the doors and like moving the steps so it was pretty empty space that needed to be like but that's like i actually can't picture realistically what that looks like yeah yeah me neither yeah, world building, not great. I can kind of, I'm like, okay, so then we have a forest, easy enough to picture. We have, like, going into each of the towns, easy enough to picture. But, like, I'm not piecing together a country right now. <laughs> I also, even, especially, like, we've got the Lakelands, we've got Norta, we've got, I don't know what else yet. Um, <laughs> there's another one, the P, I think. Um I don't know where they are on the map. I don't know where in the country we are. And like some of it's not not that important, but like yeah, if I can't picture everything then it's not it's not great. Oh, I'll settle for like 40%. Oh yeah. We got like <laughs> 22% maybe. Who needs everything? I just need something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. That's funny. So what would you change about this book? I am begging for another point of view. I am so tired of Mare. <laughs> I need to get out of her head, which I think we do. I'm pretty sure that we do in the next book, if I remember correctly. But I, that would have helped the pacing and helped the story move along in this book. I don't know who we needed. Maybe Maven. Honestly, I think that would have been really intriguing to add to this book. Uh, maybe we get him in the next. Cal might have been a little bit interesting. Even if we just had like a little bit from everyone, I think that would have helped keep this like a little bit of a faster read because I was just getting sick of Mare. Yeah, I'm with you. I like, can we just remove some of the filler or make the filler better? Like there were opportunities they weren't taken. Yeah, I'm with you. So... I don't know what I want, like, for this series. I don't know if I want Mare to end up being a good guy or a bad guy. But I 
I think if we can get Victoria to develop her character to have her, like, be a bad guy, I think that would be such a power play. And, I like, we even get, like, teasing hints of it where, like, Julian comes in and is, like, fearing for her. Like, hey, you've – I fear for the decisions you're making based off of what you've gone through and how you're reacting. Like, he he's already concerned. And I think, like, we're getting enough hints where I'm like, do we get her to be a bad guy? Because if we do, then she can also be with Maiden, which is also kind of something I'm rooting for. So it's like this whole moment of like, if we can get her to be a bad guy, be on Maiden's team for some reason, and then like have Cal and Farley and the rest of the team try to come in and like have to defeat them. And then that's where you get the multiple point of views. Like, I think, I think that'd be so great. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if that happens, but I also would love to see if that happens um because i think that would be really intriguing if we have a main character that goes from good to bad in the series and not just like ends happily ever after but i i don't know i have not finished the series so i'm i'm intrigued to find out more because if she doesn't go that direction then i'm still gonna need a lot of character development but would be very interesting to go that way yeah well, even so, like the idea of like good and bad, right? And what's justified behavior, well, not justified behavior, but essentially justified behavior for what someone's gone through. Like, Julian even has a quote that says, well, What did he say? Hold on. The quote is No one is born a monster, but I do wish some people were. It would make it easier to hate them, to kill them, to forget their dead faces, even Maven. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it points us in a direction of op- opportunities. So let's just call it that. We do have a lot of opportunity ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully only up from here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's things we would change or maybe would hope to see. One thing that we have not yet addressed in this book is Shade and Farley. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. Am I dumb or is she pregnant? She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it, it, it was not explicit on the page. Perfect. All I read is she she gently put her hand on her tummy, and she's like, you are so not observant, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it, so it was the, like, um, the John guy, the, like, seer guy said, like, the answer to Farley's question is yes. And then when she said that, like, she touched her stomach or whatever. So I think the answer is, like, yes, you're pregnant. Um. Which, hot second. Can we talk about that guy? That felt so random. <laughs> I didn't even like it as a, as an, as an addition to this book. It was it wasn't necessary. It was weird. I didn't. It was weird. I I'm with you. I am slightly intrigued at him being at what we think right now is an execution. I I that what I say is what I think is an execution. I haven't read book three. There's three more books. I don't think she's going to be executed. Spoilers. But it's not even spoilers. It's my my guess. But (laughs) odds are she's not executed. But it seems like what she thinks she's going into is our execution and he's there. So while I found his involvement annoying during book two, having him present at the end, for me, I'm putting up with his involvement earlier. Like it orchestrated like what's like who are you that's and I'm intrigued enough by that I'm like oh I don't really care yeah because you helped us beat a battle against Maven 
except here you are looking like to be one of his advisors almost. Like it's unclear what role you play, but you're clearly not in all on Team Maven. So who, like where do your loyalties lie? What role are you playing here? You're clearly out for selfish motivations or that's what we assume. Like all of it's like, I'm intrigued. Yeah. But I I agree his character's weird. I think that there was so much more opportunity for his character than what was taken advantage of a hundred percent. But I, I, I'm happy he's around. Yeah. I was like, I really felt it when some of the other characters were like, we're going to trust this random dude. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, why are we going to trust this random guy? But it worked who, out. Who might not even be a seer who was like pretending to be a seer almost. Right. right. Like, right. Funky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So Farley, yes, is pregnant. She had a relationship with shade, which I was like picking up on, Throughout the book, and I, I did forget that portion of the plot, and I was like, oh yeah, I think they're a thing. And then we get to the end, and I was like, I remember that he died, which that was also a very quick moment, like almost blink and you miss it kind of a moment. Um, and I'm only, it, I'm only sad about his death because of Farley, which I think is intentional because otherwise like we still didn't really get connected to him all that much in this book. It's like, Oh, he's back and he's gone again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. When we were discussing book one and I said that I remembered a few parts from book two, it was his death. Mm. I remembered him dying. So that was one of the things when we were reintroduced to him, I was like, Oh, this guy's gone. I like, I didn't even get a chance to connect, get connected because I do. I did remember that he died. Um, but I couldn't remember. I'm curious for readers that are reading this for the first time. It wasn't, it was so predictable to me, but I'm like, was it predictable? Cause I already knew. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't remember if he died in this book or in a future book, but I didn't remember that he died. Um, I just like, remember like not having him later. So I was like, I think that's what happens. Um, yeah. How do you feel about Farley and Shade's relationship? Because for me, I feel like it, it didn't feel like an author's ploy. Like knowing how the characters were developed and built out prior to their relationship, I think they were a good fit for each other. Like it felt like a natural match. I agree. And I actually kind of wish we had clearly like there's there's history of the Scarlet Guard prior to where Mayor is introduced to it. And I wish we had just a glimpse into it. Because if you're reading this book going like, oh, that's kind of random. Like they just got together in this book. Like that's not, that's clearly not true. Um, But I wish we'd just gotten a little bit more of it because truthfully of any couple in this series so far, they're the ones I care about the most. So I was like, oh, I would have loved to have a little bit more of that. Maybe we do. I don't know if we get any like flashbacks or anything like that. I'm not sure. But um, I also it wasn't super clear to me that they were similar in age. Um, Farley felt way older to me and shade felt somewhere in the middle. So then I get that kind of helped me like clear far, like make Farley a little bit clearer in my brain. But I, I still wish we had a little bit more detail there. For me, Farley's age was always right around shade's age. I don't know why that happened to be how I pictured Farley, but that was kind of right on track Mm. to what I was thinking. I definitely think that this rounds up Farley's character really well. And I like really how she's developing, like continuing that relationship with her family, something between her sisters and her 
sister or sisters, I don't remember, but her dad and her mom, like there's something there. And I think that this is just a continuation of rounding out Farley's character since Shade was probably always going to be a goner anyway. Yeah. I think she had the most intriguing development in this book of learning about the cap is the captain, the captain that's her dad and that like complicated family history there. Yeah. She's a character I'm rooting for in future books. Yeah. Totally. I think I will be sad if she gets killed at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I feel about Cameron in book two the way I felt about Farley in book one. So I think there's an opportunity in book three for Cameron to have a rounded out character like Farley got this one. I, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm really excited to see where this is developing and I also thought the relationship between Cameron and Mare was even an opportunity to develop Mare's character because the idea that Mare forced Cameron to return, like that little manipulation of like everyone else gets a choice, but you don't because we need you and I say so. I think that really developed Mare's character and it felt like that slippery slope of her turning into that bad guy of being, I know best, I want it my way. And stepping over someone's rights to make a choice about, you know, their own life and just be like, I know best. I thought it was super intriguing. Yeah, I agree. Really interesting. Yeah, we have like Mara's making really interesting choices. And we do get to hear her like conflicted thoughts in our brain, but there was just too much else (laughs) going on in this book. um, Yeah. Wise. I think another kind of minor thing that this like super minor, but uh, added to my disconnect of the pacing is Mare made a comment about how she like slipped back into her um, Lady Titanos like voice. And like, she's like all those lessons in like how to be a lady paid off. And I was like, didn't you do that for like a week? Like, yeah. (laughs) And didn't you hate it because you hated treating people that way right and like here you are just snapping right back into that like a second nature I thought that was really interesting but I also was like how was a week of like wearing fancy dresses doing that much for you (laughs) yeah I will say something positive about Mare in this book and actually I I guess it's less positive about Mare and more about Victoria Aveyard I liked the connection to the title in this book I obviously authors choose titles for different reasons and make, you know, plays off of the titles names throughout their book. Like everyone's a little bit different. Sometimes it's super cheesy. Sometimes it's like way too on the nose. I really did like this one. I think it's close to maybe being on the nose, but not quite. Mm -hmm. But there's a quote in the book that says, if I'm a sword, I'm a sword made of glass and I feel myself beginning to shatter. And I just felt like that was a great representation of where Mare's character is at this point in the story where she is a weapon, but she's so fragile and she's just starting, you see the edges starting to like splinter, right? And kind of like spider web out, kind of going out of control. And I just thought that was a great quote and a great title and was a great representation of where main character's at. I feel like that quote is what made Victoria Averard write this book. Like she like had that and she's like, okay, like I can write a book out on this. And like, we almost got there. <laughs> There were some strong points. There are some critiques. There are some critiques. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so talk to me. I, I know that they kind of skimmed, not skimmed over it, but like based off of this book, I, I'm trying to guess like what's going to happen with John's character. And so if you remember, because you read, then I'll just speculate. Do you, do you remember much? I don't. I really, I remember the plot of this book. I could, I don't think I remember anything that happens in the next book, but I'm pretty sure that I read it. I, I'm super intrigued about John. I don't know if he's going to end up being like a Kalorn type of role where he's pivotal and like one of the main like mm. B side characters or like if he's just going to be kind of like a one-off um like kind of a nobody but it feels very like I know there's a term for it but I can't remember but like that guide the guide that goes like you know that takes you on your journey, like the Gandalf character. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you go this way, and points you in the right direction kind of situation. Or if he's going to be like a more pivotal character, if she's trapped in, you know, Maven's castle, like I think that she's going to be around him. And I think that he's going to really take it. I think that John's going to take advantage of that and say like sneaky, snide things and like make light of the situation and like, really not kind of mess with her a little bit but i i i he could have like a pivotal role in this story i yeah i agree i would be very intrigued to see which direction it goes it feels like he's very neutral at the moment we're really unclear about his loyalties here's the thing is like while he did seem to help in their like battle at the end of this book it also kind of feels like um, if you've seen Game of Thrones, there's this character that is able to like see outcomes and like see the future and that kind of thing. And it has this almost like neutral quality because you're like, it is, it is my duty to like share this information. It's not my duty to like, help either side so I could see him being this kind of like source of information but not necessarily picking sides I always find those characters difficult to connect with because I respect the bad guys more than I respect them whereas just like have a cause yeah pick a and your, cause, <laughs> your cause can be to be selfish and to be in charge and to make your life fantastic and everyone else is the worst, but at least you get to have a say. Right. It's like, have a cause. This way is just like, ugh. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, but that, I could see that being the direction that this character goes. Yeah, that's that would be interesting for sure. There is a character, and this is how I know I've read the next book, is because there is a character that we have not been introduced yet that I remember. And so I'm like, when are we going to meet that person? <laughs> and I forget how they play into this scenario. So... I do have hope for the continuation of this series, but I, I we'll might lie and say that I, I skimmed a little bit of those. <laughs> yeah, but so something we haven't really talked on much is how do you feel about like Mare and her interactions with her family? Because I don't remember that at all the first time reading it through, and this time it was blatant. By blatant, what do you mean? Like, she treats her family like crap. She forgets yeah. about them regularly. Yeah. It, very different than how we see Katniss treat her family. Yes. <laughs> how Kat, we see Katniss treat her mom. But um, 
yeah, it it was unexpected because I, I just assumed that she was going to be this, like, my family is the most important thing. This is why I'm doing this character. And she's clearly not that. Like, she's clearly dived, dove in already to, I'm different. I'm not like you. And nobody understands. <laughs> and, like, I'm on going to go forge my own path. And, like, I feel bad because, like, her dad is the only one who's kind of like, hey, sweetie, like, be careful. And she's yep. like, screw you, dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's totally neglected her other brothers, her sister, her mom. We don't, and like for the most part, she's not back at the base with them. Like, cause she's like escaped or whatever now, but it was surprising her like neglect of them, especially after being like reunited with her brothers. Yeah. For someone that loves her family so much, it feels like a total facade a little bit where she's just ta- like the kid that shows up in high school with the cast on or the brace on. It's like, Oh, my arm hurts or something. You're like, I'm not sad for you anymore. Like that's like she was using her family. Like, Oh, I miss my family. It's like, no, you don't. You don't though, because if you did, you'd be doing all of these other things. I don't know if you're doing it for attention or like if you're trying to trick yourself that you care or I don't know, like, it just was really apparent. And even her jealousy about Farley when Gisa went and like comforted Farley about it. And she was like, I'm her, I'm the sister, you know, whatever. It's like Gisa has a relationship with Farley because Farley probably put in effort. Like, what were you doing? Like, right. Yeah. And they had this moment where Killorn like noticed that she was still wearing her earrings from her brothers and from Killorn. And she's like, he's like, you still have them. And she's like, of course I have them. Like I'll go to the grave with them. And I was just kind of like, I didn't feel it. I wasn't feeling that from her. I'm like, it just feels like earrings at this point. Yeah. Whereas like, that was one of our favorite moments from book one is that was a really like sweet, strong moment of the book. And in this book, it, we just kind of lost that. Yeah, totally. Should we talk about the end at all? I think we need to talk about the end. (laughs) Okay. As, as lots of things were, how we arrived there was super sporadic and chaotic. Very unclear how we ended up. And I was like, am I just not reading this correctly or am I lost? <laughs> I'm with you. I went back and, and wanted to make sure I understood. So I like did like three times and I was like, okay, they really were going to the choke and their plane really was just grabbed the air and like slowed down before it crashed essentially. And like they had a cage built around them and they were set down. Like that's essentially what happened. Yep. Just snatched right out of the sky. Surprise. We got you. Okay. (laughs) Yep. And so that wasn't, I didn't love that. No, I didn't love how quickly we went through before that like pinching sound, that sound machine was like the most excruciating pain she's ever witnessed. And like in one sentence, she's like, and now it feels normal because of how much I'm tortured. I'm like, okay, that is annoying. (laughs) I didn't catch that one. Uh, I also just didn't buy her immediately like save them. I'll be your like captive. Like I I saw that coming, obviously like no, it was not a surprise, but I also was like, Really? Now you're now you finally feel for them? <laughs> yeah, it felt so the only reason it didn't feel out of character to me is that I think she missed Maven 
Yeah. I think there's a part of her that wanted to go. Yes. And so while I think it was all like this, I don't think she intentionally thought about it and then did it. I think these just like her actions in the moment. But like deep down, I don't think that was the sacrificial, I now care about my friends and I'm going to take one for the team. It was, I'm going to make myself look good and get what I want, but position it in a way that makes me look like I'm a good leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a part of her that thinks she can save Maven. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. We, we kind of talked about it and like laughed at it. I actually thought the moment when they were in Cal's room and she confessed to him that she missed him and Cal said that he missed him too was super vulnerable. Granted, she didn't tell him how much she missed, like all of these different things. And then how Cal throws that back in her face later was so just so good. I ate that scene up. Mm -hmm. But like that dynamic of missing him and Cal missing his brother and her missing the person that she thought he was, it just was so intriguing. And I think that that's where this comes from. She, she misses the person where she thought who he was and she thinks that she's going to go find him. And we don't totally know whether that exists or not, because we're led to believe that like Queen Alara created a version that she knew Mare would fall for. And we don't know how much of that was really Maven, if any at all. Um, she, but she's she's hanging on to a thread. But the thing is, is that Maven wants her back too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not one-sided. But I'm also like, for why? Like just because she's the lightning girl? Just because he's attracted to her? Like... I think that... You have to forget book two. In book one, she was something. And she had a cause. She was all about doing right by her people. Her and Maven drew the lines at all the same places, which again kind of points to Queen Alara, right? Kind of manipulating. They have all of these things in common. But this idea of I want to do what's right, but I don't know at what cost, right? There was the scene of like, can we really kill innocent people for our cause? And if Maven is going to end up being a good guy, I think in book one, Mare was a raw representation of someone that was so hungry for justice and didn't know how to make it happen, mm. which I think Maven a hundred percent can relate to because he has not had any example between his dad and his mom on how to execute justice without any selfish motivations and manipulation involved. And he was watching Mare in real time without those realities. I-, I can see it. Now, book two, wiped it away. She's so annoying. Like, all of that was gone and yeah. he didn't see it. But I can see from book one why with he was intrigued by someone he, where he grew up in an environment where you're supposed to really desire and be attracted to power. She has that, but she has all of the positives that come with not being silver and being red and having that desire to really look out for people and for like the best interests. Yeah. I'm with you. All that to say, I'm disappointed with book two. I am still excited for book three. Yeah, I know. Surprisingly, this was rough and I didn't remember it being rough. If I had, I wish I had 
because then I could have mentally prepared more. <laughs> but I kept going like, when does it get better? And it's not getting better. Um, but I am, yeah, I am still intrigued to read book three and see how this, this series wraps up. So would you recommend this series to a stranger so far? Because book one was easy, 100%. I'd recommend it. After reading book two? I, I'm not confident in that suggestion. I'm not confident unless they also like the selection and the dystopian. If they're already in it, like, oh, yeah, heck yeah, go for it. Like, this sure. one might not end up being your favorite, but, like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, but if they're like, I want to dip my toe into, like, fantasy, mm-mm. Not this one. No. Not this one. There's too many other options. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's get into final ratings, shall we? Anything else to say? Let's do it. You guys, if you're trying to avoid uh, some negative conversation that's about to happen, you can just wrap this up right now. Yeah. Just, just go, just like think about how you feel about this book and end the episode. Good luck to you. See you next book. Right. Um, <laughs> let's get into ratings. Writing style. I have it a big old two point five, which I think oh, is a little bit generous. <laughs> it is. I'm at a two. I'm at a two. <laughs> I had it at a two, and then we kept we kept talking. I was like, ah, I'll bump it up a little bit. Um, <laughs> which I think I had it like a four for book one. So we've taken a real big step down. Yeah, goes for pacing that goes for like there's there's things about world building but like the oh every everything is kind of low in this book i'm sorry <laughs> pacing what else goes into writing style Rep- repetition um creativity yeah yeah unique scenarios yeah it was not not a good time no no it was not I have writing style at a two. Yeah. Um, characters? I have at a three. <laughs> characters was my highest scoring one. I'm at a 2.75. A 2.75. Yep. Yep. Um, and that is uh, because we have Psychotic Maven, who I'm still intrigued by. We have a lot of new additions in here, which I think make up for probably 0.5 of this score. We've got Farley, who we've seen some growth in. We've got Cameron, who we're intrigued by. Um, we still got Julian. I'm rooting for my boy Julian. Um, we got John. Don't know what's going to become of him, but we'll see. Um, but if we're talking the main characters, Cal, Mare, and Kalorn. Could have done without in this book. <laughs> so my 2.75 really is banking on hope and desires and potential. Like, th- it's there. It's there. Did not like it, this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, world building, I've got Uh-oh. a big old two. <laughs> no. no. I'm not a great... I'm at a 1.25. Oh, no. I, like, yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. I'll give it a 1.5. It is real bad, guys. We can't picture anything that's going on in this world. We don't know how we got there. We don't know how anything works. Yeah. I can't even picture, like, the castle that they end up back at. Don't know. It was rough. That one, it was hard, which brings us to plot, which again, 
Where? Where is it? Plot who? Um, I do have the plot at a 2.75. Oh, oh. Uh, because I, I was intrigued by the tracking down of the New Bloods and following that storyline and especially the little, like, betrayal moment with Kalorn we get in the beginning. We've got the end of this book, which I got to give a little bit of points to. Yeah. We've got Shade's death, which adds a little bit. Everything else. I did like that plot point the first time. It was the other 9,900 times after that really were the problem for me. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I did a little skimming. Um, So I scored the plot at a two. I, it, you guys, this book was a yikes. Uh, The book one, I rated at a 4.25. This overall for me is a 2.75. And that's out of nostalgia. I've got it at 2.5. So, yeah, it is. I was, I told Keaton multiple times while I was reading this book, I'm so tired. I don't want to read this anymore. <laughs> I was going to, I would have DNF'd this so hard. I, if we weren't doing this for the podcast, I even was like, do I, do we, do we stop, do we stop reading this series? <laughs> it was bad, guys. It's not a good book. Uh, it was not. So there are things I I ended up uh, ironically actually at two point five above you because I I like the series and so I I hope this is the low point for it. Mm-hmm. And there are specific things that last scene where he tells her to kneel and like she does like there it is so layered and complex and I'm just like what is about to happen I. I'm excited to find out what happens. So two, like my scores do not average a 2.75. I really enjoyed reading this series. I am excited for the next one, but my goodness, you can almost, for how repetitive this book is, it tells you all about book one. I'm assuming book three is going to be the same. It's going to cover everything in book two. I bet that people could skip book two and pick up just that book three. Honestly, I like looked up a summary well, like, even just my my memory of this book. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were tracked down the New Bloods. I remember something that happens. Shade dies. I'm like, yeah, that's basically, that's kind of all I need to know. Yep. Shade dies. Farley's pregnant with Shade's kid. Um, Killorn and, likes her, but she doesn't like him back. We don't know who we can trust and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Cal and her kind of like each other, but she still kind of likes Maven. And Cal's kind of butt hurt that she still kind of likes Maven. And a couple characters, Alara died. Julian's back. We got someone new introduced named John. We got a bunch of other people that you'll probably learn about in the next book. And yeah, we got Cameron in like, so she can shut people's powers down. Like she seems important. And that's, and that's what you missed on Red Queen. <laughs> Glass over. Um, yeah. So anyway, I hope that you have just as much hope as we do and continue. <laughs> Please, please, guys, don't give up with us because we're going to keep reading. Uh, Maybe we should give a a, a small note at the beginning of this episode that says, if you want to skip this book, it's okay. Um, But or not. Maybe maybe you love this book. I hope I really hope you did. Um, But join us soon for King's Cage is book three, which I already love the title of. Um, I'm intrigued. Oh, totally. So grab your copy. Get reading with us. I'm I'm super excited honestly. Yes. 
And if you follow us along on Instagram, then you've helped us vote for our book for March. So read along with us and tune in for that episode as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to continue the discussion, check out our community pages linked in our show notes. If you love this podcast, leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback and thoughts. While you're at it, share this with a friend. Bye.